0: Love Talk Radio This is Cale Brown. Now I didn't play a doctor on TV, but I will prescribe Brandon's buzz for Absolutely, anybody who wants to know what's really going on Hey guys, this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live And you're listening to Brandon's Buzz This
1: is Taylor Dane And you are listening to the one and only Brandon Buzz Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz It's the great entertainment talk show on now Brandon, I love you, thanks for having me This is Linda Dano I'm on Brandon's Buzz And I have to tell you What a fun hour I just had Ah. This is a great kid with a wonderful heart and soul. You listen every day. I know I will. Hey, hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now. Hi,
0: everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big. I'm live and kicking on Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Dave Romero, and you're going to love buzzing with Brandon's Buzz. Hey guys, welcome back to Brandon's Buzz. I am Brandon. It's Friday, February 12th, 10pm in the East, 7pm out West, 9pm here in Texas, and I have a great lady on the phone. It's going to be a great show, so buckle in and get ready to be very entertained. You know, it doesn't even matter that four or five actresses have played the part in the past 25 years. For an entire generation of rabid One Life to Live fans, there only exists one, Cassie Callison Carpenter Buchanan, and those fans, among whom I most assuredly number we were thrilled beyond expression when the news broke late last year that after far too many years away, she was finally coming home to reassume her position amongst that crazy, compelling clan of Kramer women. Cassie returns to the show's canvas this coming Monday, and just ahead of that highly anticipated event, her glorious portrayer has come by the Buzz tonight to give us an exclusive sneak peek. It's a great thrill to welcome back to Brandon's Buzz this evening the stunningly gorgeous, the utterly lovely Laura Bonarigo.
1: Rodney, you're so delightful. I can't believe it. I think I need you on my arm every day. I'm just calling. That's it. You can't interview anybody else. No one of those celebrities. No more of those superstars. Linda Dano, forget it. Taylor Swift, forget it. It's my show. I'm just going to become your cohort so that I can every single day have an introduction like that.
0: It can be kind of like Regis and Kelly, except it'll be Brandon. Yeah, do you think Kelly that? gets
1: up for Regis every day? Do you think he's fluffing her up every moment? <laughs> <laughs> because that's what I would have to expect. That's all I need in payment.
0: So how are you doing, my darling?
1: I'm wonderful now. Thank you.
0: <laughs> you know, the last time you were here, and for those of my newer listeners who, and who don't know, one year ago, back when I didn't have a clue what I was doing here, <laughs> and uh, incidentally it's still up for debate whether I do now, <laughs> but Miss Bonarigo was my third guest ever, and she subjected herself to my madness with incredible grace and ease.
1: Oh, you were lovely then. <laughs> Truly, I didn't
0: know that was only your third show. You fooled
1: that was, me. That was my third show. Wow. Yep. Wow, well, I can tell you've only gotten smoother.
0: <laughs> anyway, the last time you were here, it was just announced that, that uh, you know, you were leaving all my children, and so we kind of dove right into that and worked backwards from there, but we skipped all the early stuff, and, you know, I always like to start my shows by setting the table, so to speak, and so uh, give me the 60-second bio on Laura Bonarigo. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Where did you go to school?
1: I uh, spent my very young years in Massachusetts on the um, south coast of Mass. Um, and then my family moved to Maine where we had a farm. And since Excellent. my stepfather was a schoolteacher, we would go back and forth to Maine from the time I was in fourth grade. So I tell people typically I'm from either New England or from Maine and that I grew up on a farm because all of that is really quite true. Wow. We used to bring the animals back and forth with us in the back of the pickup truck with the cap, and we would ride in the back. This is before the seatbelt laws all began. Okay. Now I'm really dating myself. <laughs> and we'd sit back there with the goats and the sheep as we would commute up and down the highway between the south shore of Massachusetts and mid-coast Maine in order to uh, bring the animals back and forth around the school vacation schedule. Gotcha. It was crazy
0: you but, know we have farms all over the place here in texas but uh, you know i've never uh, I you, you, when you think of maine you don't think of farms tell me about a, tell me about a maine well, farm
1: if you think about the farms in texas the whole entire commute the five hours from mid-coast maine to massachusetts would have been one farm in texas <laughs> You know that. I mean,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: We're, we're talking about a small, small little little pinhead compared to what you've got. <laughs> uh, it was a, a family farm. We had about seventy-five acres. We raised all our own food, and there were lots of us. My mom had six kids, and then we always had some buddy living with us. But we raised our food and yeah. grew our vegetables and did the canning and preserving of stuff that people do when they live in the country. And then I went to Rutgers to their acting fine art program and spent a couple of years there and then graduated with a B.A. in theater. Fantastic. You, you know, went to Europe for a couple of years and then came back and went back to acting um, in my mid-twenties and it was shortly thereafter that I got cast on One Life to Live.
0: So One Life was pretty much your big break.
1: You know, Another World was my first one. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I had done a little stuff in Boston and in Portland, Maine, prior to even getting to New York. But... I worked with Ricky Paul Golden. He was my first boyfriend in daytime.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. Was this a major part? Because I don't remember you on that show at all.
1: It was not a major part, except they kept rolling it out. I was a recurring character named Lindsay. And they rolled her out. And then I screen tested with a woman. And I'm totally blanking on her name right now, though I still see her face. But when I screen tested for Cassie, very shortly thereafter, Lorna. Lorna. Is that her name, the actress's name? It's coming to me. See, it's slowly coming to me. She actually took over the role of Lindsay, and they did a contract role with her. Gotcha. So it all worked out.
0: So, another word, was that the biggest thrill of your, I mean, getting that getting that job before you even got to One Life, was that the biggest thrill of your, I mean, did you think, well, I've made it, this is it?
1: It was pretty awesome. I will never forget my screen test with Linda Dano and Ricky Paul Golden. They took such good care of me, and it was fabulous, and um, they were lovely, and working at Another World was—it was great working over there. It really, really was. And I got to smoke a cigarette. I played a really bad girl. Fabulous. And it was crazy because I don't smoke. Though I just did an off-Broadway play this past summer where I had to smoke. That—that's a whole other story. <laughs> but smoking on set with Ricky Puzzles, and he would take a puff in between shots for me. <laughs> And I just kept holding the cigarette to make it look like I was smoking.
0: Did you guys get to cross paths when you were on All My Children last year?
1: Absolutely, we did, and it was fun because there were people from when I was on All My Children. There were people I had worked with at One Life to Live, uh-huh, uh-huh. but it was really fun for me, and maybe a momentary fun for Ricky Paul Golden because he has a much <laughs> more exciting life than I do. <laughs> yeah. so. He probably had a moment or two where he, it was kind of fun to say, oh, I was her first boyfriend. <laughs> I was the first one she kissed on daytime.
0: <laughs> get all
1: those other men. It was Ricky Paul Golden.
0: How funny.
1: It was fun. It was fun to see him.
0: So, you know, a lot of us were devastated when, when All My Children Let You Go last year after constructing such a delicious and compelling plot setup. But- you know,
1: I wish you guys would write for these networks <laughs> instead of the people they have. <laughs> I would have much, much better career if my fans wrote... <laughs>
0: But you know, if they had kept you on board, then this homecoming wouldn't have been possible. This this uh, this big one life return, and so uh, I guess it all worked out the way it was supposed to.
1: Yes and no. We have to keep those cards and letters coming, Brandon. <laughs> you know how it is.
0: So looking back, was your was your All My Children experience a good way to kind of dip your toe back in the soap water, so to speak?
1: Yeah, it was great. It was like riding a bicycle. That's the funny thing about daytime. Once you've done it. What was great about all my children is I had no history there and I had a character that I could create. And I worked with two really good people, so. Absolutely. It was a privilege to be there. And, you know, it was short and sweet and when one is in the daytime world short and sweet, you have great appreciation for the opportunity to work. <laughs> when you stay there for a very long time, it can get a little grouchy. <laughs> Am I being politic or am I going to lose my toes next time I show up on his (laughs) back?
0: Well, I just have to tell you, before we dive into the whole big one life return, uh, I have to tell you that a colleague and good friend of mine got a chance to speak with you at the Kramer Women Press event that we showed through last month. And, you know, I've seen a a handful of photos and videos from the event, and I must tell you, you are even more stunningly beautiful right now than you were when we all first laid eyes on you 19 years ago. Oh, my Uh, goodness. So, on behalf of millions of your fans, I, I must ask you, what is your secret?
1: My secret? Oh, god!
0: <laughs> Don't get all coy now.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you,
0: I, you know, I saw you at that event, and you looked so radiant and so happy to be there. And you know, it, it, I mean, it just shone all over your face.
1: It was great to be there. It was really a real trip to be in that room with all those Kramer women and all the press. It really was. I was a little overwhelmed by just being back at ABC like that. It's kind of like, wow, holy smokes. They're really pulling out the stops on this one. And I keep getting all these Google alerts because I I Google alert myself. Like I said, my life is not that interesting. So there's so much press about it. It cracks me up. And it's exciting. I'm really happy that the fans are excited and people are writing and ABC and One Life. You know, I... It was so great to be back in the room with the Kramers that I knew because I don't know all of them. Uh-huh. So Robin and Cassie DePiva and sure. Gina, it was a treat to be there with them.
0: How did this return come about? Did they contact you or did you reach out to them? What, what was the... No, no, they it? contacted me. Okay. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm, I live in New York City, so they know I'm here.
0: Keep those cards <laughs> and letters
1: coming. Um, so they, they know that I'm here. You know, I just live across the park from the studios, so they call me. You
0: know, I, I know that w- when you left One Life eleven years ago, it wasn't exactly under the best of circumstances. And you know, you can answer this any way you want to, obviously, but I want to know <laughs> how it felt, how it felt stepping back on that stage.
1: Yeah, yeah, Were you yeah. been
0: hesitant to say yes when they offered it to you?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's. I'm not ever going to turn down the opportunity to play Cassie because, even though I've had terrific roles. Cassie is still very dear to me and very much loved in that canvas of story. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I would never say no to Frank or any other producers that call me and ask me to come back. Absolutely. You know, Robin is still there. Robin is always, it's always like going home when you go work with Robin. <laughs> it really is. And there's Cassie and Gina. Like I said, it just was like, oh. And the day I was working, Bob Krimmer was back on. So I was really having major deja vu. It was as if we had always belonged there. You know, people in the building saw us together. And we were like, oh, you're here? So perhaps <laughs> it seems perfectly normal to be back there. Like, what is your problem? <laughs> of course I'm talking to Bob Krimmer in yeah. the green room. Thank you very much. Because who else would I be talking to right now?
0: And it's so funny because Bob Woods is still there and Erica Slazak is still there. Yes, and you I, know, all I,
1: didn't, I didn't see Bob Woods, but I've seen, I got to see Erica. I, I got to use her dressing room one day. I certainly got to see Cassie and Gina, of course, and Robin, and we all got to work together. And then the newer girls, whom I don't know, and, and, and all, truth be told, I don't know the newer characters at all. And I don't know those actresses at all. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of younger, newer characters that I know nothing about. You know, they've been there eight years, and yep. they're like old pros. They're like, who are you? And I'm like, well, who are you? <laughs> you weren't around when I was here, so
0: what's yep. your problem? You weren't born when I was here. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even want
1: to say that because then we start aging myself. Thank you, Brandon. Come on, it was fluffy before.
0: (laughs) Talk about stepping back on that stage. Were you you nervous? Were you excited? Were you ecstatic? I mean...
1: Well, there was one scene I did. Let me put it this way. One scene I did where the producer, executive producer Frank Valentini, was directing the scene, and I couldn't get the words right. Seriously, I think we shot this phone call about 12 times. Wow. That's never been my problem. And the executive producer, thank you, is directing me in this thing. Do you think I was a little bit nervous? I was like, rewrite it for me, guys. Just change it right now. You have the power. But I had to get it right. And I had to keep doing it again. The stage manager would feed me the line, and I'd try to do it. And I would do it the way I learned it rather than the way they needed it said. And I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Once he went back into the control booth or wherever he disappeared to, I was fine. Wow. And then there were scenes with Robin and Cassie and everybody when we all sort of, I can't get away story because I haven't started airing yet, but it was um, it was great. It felt wow. just like being at home again.
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned Frank directing. I've had a handful of one-life people here in the past couple of months, and, and almost to a man they have all said that how much they love it when Frank is directing them. And, and it's funny that you're sitting here telling me a bit of a different story.
1: Oh, no, I love Frank. It's just I was nervous. Yeah. after <laughs> all. I love Frank. I mean, I've known Frank for many years, and he's a great guy. He really is. I think that One Life is very fortunate to have him there. I think they're blessed to have him. He loves that company. He loves the story. He loves the characters. He really, really, you know, is grateful for the fans and the network and, you know, everything that's going on with Daytime. I think they're all really blessed to be there.
0: And, you know, I mean, he's been there in some capacity for the past, what, 22, 23 years. And so yeah, he,
1: now that they're you moving know, studios, been... he was so happy. He said to me, I'm so happy we're moving studios. I've been coming to the same building for 20-some odd years. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, baby, it's time to see the ocean. You need to get some windows.
0: <laughs> in all the years that have passed, did you ever allow yourself to think or hope or dream that you'd be back playing this character again?
1: I've, you know, I'm an actress, and acting is difficult career filled with lots of rejection. So, yeah, there are many times that I had, you know, begged the universe to give me a contract on a show. Absolutely. Um, and so it it was great when they called, and I said, lovely. Be happy to be back. So I got to come back and play Cassie as a guest. It's always fun to be invited to the party, and um you know, Cassie is, she's a character I know. I've been having a lot of fun. There are fans who constantly amaze me and the beauty of the internet is <laughs> that people put things on YouTube or uh-huh. stuff and I'm watching scenes that I don't remember, I mean I remember when I see them and I show my children and it's just, it's, just <laughs> am- it's astounding to me like mom you were in the steam, I'm like oh yeah I remember that steam scene <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: or you, my son was talking about fires yesterday, and I said, yeah, I've worked on set and fires, and, you know, telling him about it. It was a huge part of my life. It was my life for, you know, like, as you say, a decade. It was my life. I think it's fair to say Cassie has people that love her or hated her. You know, people aren't so lukewarm about her. You either liked the good girl uh-huh. or you didn't. You got bored with her.
0: Especially when she cheated on her husband, the, the minister.
1: Oh, come on. That was the best storyline. Yeah. <laughs> come on. That was the best. Yeah. That was such a good story. Come on, that and then losing the babies. Uh-huh. Uh That was all intense. But when I think about that, I have to acknowledge the people that love Cassie. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And the people that didn't love her, you know, I there's parts of Laura that would agree. I mean, some of the story was really boring. Some of the, you know, I spent a long time, a lot of pouring tea for the minister as the minister's wife. Yep. And that was really boring. I can't couldn't agree more with the fans that some of it was just enough already on the other hand some people think that's just perfectly fine you know i live in new york city i walk around in four inch heels and you know when i go out at night it's a mini dress i don't own a suit uh-huh so in some ways i can sort of appreciate the people who think she's too conservative and too
0: good how hard have you had to convince fight to convince fans that that you're not cassie over the years
1: oh let them think i'm cassie <laughs> It's really okay. <laughs> I don't want the, I don't want them to be upset. I that's why but that's why I have to laugh at the stuff on the internet, you know. Brandon, people are gonna think you're Brandon from Brandon's buzz, but sure. you're you know, you you're somebody's son. You might be a brother, you might be a partner to somebody, you know, like there's a full life of you behind us talking sure. right now. Sure. You know, I'm and these days I'm a mother. I'm a daughter. You know, my kids don't have they—they don't even care about Cassie. Who? Oh, mom, you're weird. Weird. What are you wearing? (laughs) That's the comments I get from them. (laughs) Oh yeah, you're working. Oh, but I think everybody has to face that. You know, we have uh, Sarah Jessica Parker here in the city. She's a mother. You know, she's a celebrity, but she's a mother.
0: Sure. You know, I, I would imagine that it's, it's more of an issue for the for the people who play villainous characters on soaps and on television. I mean, I would imagine that Robin He's has thinking, to deal with that much ask. more. much more.
1: I see Robin in the neighborhood. I always go up to her and say, kiss her and say, hi, Mama. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> she's
1: probably more annoyed with me than any fan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, uh, tell me about working with her again. I mean, uh, I, I can only imagine it was just like slipping back into an old comfortable pair of shoes.
1: Oh, it sure was. It was it was like, oh, I know this. I know this. <laughs> and Cassie's like, okay, Laura, she forgets her lines a little bit more. Okay, cool, I can handle that. Okay, Gina, she's a little more forgetful, a little more bossy. Okay, we got it. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: you know what they say about when we get older, we become more so? Uh-huh. And well, Robin's 10 years older. <laughs> and Robin will sit there and run lines with and go, ah. Oh the toxic relationship between Cassie and Dorian, let's do it. I'm like, okay, here we are.
0: It's so funny because that Dorian-Cassie dynamic has always been a crucial part of defining the whole of Dorian's character. And at least in yeah. my eye, there's there's been a huge hole in that area of the canvas for years Thank now. Thank you.
1: I can't. I couldn't agree with you more. I feel the same way.
0: And I know I'm not the only one who is praying that yeah. this turns into a more permanent return because, you know, Dorian needs that dynamic <laughs> to, to make her complete on the show. She really does.
1: I... uh I don't watch the show, so I have to take your word for it. You know, I'm not I'm not current on what's happening. Otherwise, I wouldn't know all those young actors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: what has Cassie been up to all these years? I think I've well,
1: still been in Savannah. Okay. Anything more than that, I can't tell you. <laughs> I, I guess from <laughs> what they tell me is every time they mention my name, either I can't come because I'm with the children. Children? I was like, Children? is it River grown up or working or I really, I've gotten very vague answers. <laughs> no, I think if Ron wants to bring her back, he's going to have to flesh that out a bit more. So I understand where I've been. And you know, I went up to one of these Kramer girls. I'm so sorry. I don't even know which actress it was. And I said to the director who's working, should I go over here? Cause it was, I was in the background and I said, should I go over here? And She goes, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Go over and talk to so-and-so. <laughs> and I said, okay, how's the relationship here? And she went, I said, I held up my hand. I said, nice, nice or not? She goes, nice, nice. I said, good, got it. <laughs> like, we don't have time. Don't tell me anymore. Just nice, nice or not. <laughs> and that's all I needed to know. Like, Don't tell me everything.
0: So how has, the, how has the show changed in the 11 years since you've been there on a regular basis? I mean, you know, I know that every soap has made dramatic changes to the way they put the show together. And yeah, I'm wondering how how this one has changed specifically.
1: Well, they do it. By, I guess they piece it together So for example in the beginning of December I taped a show that hasn't aired yet Is airing in the next four weeks So that's unusual And they certainly work faster But everybody works faster mm-hmm. You know they were complaining on the set about how fast it works And I just looked at them and said Honey everybody works faster Doesn't matter what you're shooting Where you're working It's all faster And there are fewer people doing it Okay so let's leave that aside when I first started on the soaps many years ago, we would rehearse one show and then get notes, start to finish, and then tape it, start to finish. But they stopped doing that years ago. And even now, they don't necessarily block stuff, which is why I kept going up that day Frank was directing the scene, because we hadn't blocked it, we hadn't rehearsed it, nothing.
0: Uh, do you do you prefer rehearsal or not really?
1: Well, it depends on what we're shooting. It's always good to have a run at it, absolutely, especially when I'm as rusty as I am. <laughs> You know, i was mean, like you guys are really pushing your luck. This is the best thing. I was working on One Life to Live. It was my first day back, and fortunately, a director named Gary Donatelli was directing my scenes. And so I come home. I drop my kids off at school, and I have in my head, I know I have to be at the studio at 9:45, okay. But in my head, I pictured it as 10:45. Don't I don't know why. I'm at home. I'm washing my hair. I'm blow drying my hair. I'm doing my oh, stuff, my. And, and I get a phone call at. Not at ten fifteen. Hi, someone left the car. I go, Hi, I'm on my way. They go, You were supposed to be here at nine forty five. No.
0: Where the hell are you? (laughs) I was like, No way.
1: And I completely freak out. No way. Goes way. I'm like, Oh, oh. He goes, Don't worry. Just come and go straight to hair makeup. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm coming. I can barely speak. I run outside. I don't have my script. I don't have my stuff. I think, ah, oh, oh, what do I do? I run back inside. I get my script. I'm like, okay, start breathing, child. Stop breathing. <laughs> I worked on that show how many years? I have never, never missed a call time to any rehearsal. Thankfully, it's Gary Donatelli. I walk into the building. I go straight to hair and makeup. They sit me down in the hair chair. The first thing out of their mouth, I'm not in the building 10 minutes. The hair, hair guy says, Laura, if you're going to start working on One Life to Live, you've got to keep your color up. And I looked at him and I was like, Ah, uh, yeah, if I'm working, I will keep my color up. But I was just like, okay, so that's how it's changed, Brandon. It's really, really serious. He said, I was just on set touching up a guy who's 25, so his ball spots wouldn't show. I was like, okay. <laughs> and Then I went up on set and I used to be like, begging to Gary Dunn and tell him, Excuse me, I'm so sorry. He goes, Oh, Laura, don't even worry about it. It's a phone call do relax. <laughs> you know, so, it's like, it's you, don't even worry about it. And then Cassie says to me, I was wondering what happened to you, I came out looking for you and you weren't there and that's when they realized you weren't there and they called you. I was like, thanks, Cass. <laughs> how,
0: have, how have you changed over all these years away from the show? I mean,
1: let me count the ways. Oh, I'm a mother. I have a son who had some issues when he was much younger, some neurological issues that we mm-hmm. had to address, so, that has definitely um, put a few lines on my face,
0: <laughs> uh,
1: a few more gray hairs. The, yeah, I don't, uh,
0: I don't believe that for a second. Yeah, that's <laughs> I why I have keep... a good
1: hairdresser. <laughs> uh, I'm, um, you know, I, I'm much more comfortable being me than I was certainly twenty years ago. Never mind, ten years ago. It's a relief not being scrutinized so intensely every day. But the people in my life are happy to see me, or if they don't talk to me, you know, it's no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> um it's not like fans or people in the business who simply pick everything apart. Mm-hmm. I have a great deal more confidence as an actress. I've had two very successful off-Broadway runs and had the lead in both of those shows. I feel really confident auditioning. I do some great audition work now, and people are casting agents are always happy to bring me in, which is just a delight. and whether I go in for commercials or theater now, or film, or television. I'm just really comfortable auditioning in for each medium. You know, I might be nervous just because I'm sure. nervous, but that's part of it. But in terms of my acting skills, I have a great deal of confidence in taking some material and making it believable.
0: That must feel great.
1: Yeah, it feels great. It really does. I remember when I went to acting school when I was 17, and they said, it will take 20 years for you to learn this craft. Now, I don't work as much as um, some people And I don't practice as much as some people because I do have two children to take care of. But I'm very confident. I can take a script now and I can take a direction and take a note and go with it the way the director wants. And Mm -hmm. I don't get too distracted by the rest of the nonsense in the business.
0: (laughs) Good for you. You know, I I know you never worked with him previously, but with with Dan Gauthier also returning as Kevin, is there any chance that Kevin and Cassie are going to get to cross paths again?
1: I hope so. He's so cute. But I don't really know. (laughs) We shall see.
0: Much less will we get a chance to survey how Cassie feels about Kevin and Kelly's relationship.
1: Yeah, excuse me. She kept talking about that at the interview, and I was a little bit blown up. I was like, excuse me down here. The last time I was on the show, it was Cassie and Kevin. Do you remember? But no, you see, time marches on in Landview, and I'm not too sure of what's going on in that (laughs) storyline.
0: So I assume that the, the... the show is open to, you know, kind of playing it by ear, engaging audience reaction in, in terms of, you know, whether they're going to extend this into a more permanent thing.
1: I believe that every character is on a show because the fans want them there. The fans have the power, those are the people who are going to um, bring a character or keep a character on. You know, sometimes a personality doesn't sync up with a producer and then they mm-hmm. recast, or perhaps the fans don't. There's something about that actor that fans aren't relating to.
0: Mm-hmm. Kevin
1: went through so many metamorphoses because of that. But I, I, I keep harping on this, but really and truly, every actor, every soap star will tell you. if, it, if, it's, the, if, it's, the, if it's the fans that are the cards, the letters, the requests. You bet. I, I even believe that the people who say they don't like a character, the networks look at that as, well, they're paying attention to that character. Sure. You know, it's still a positive. I think if the negatives weigh out and the producer doesn't want a particular actor on the set, then it makes it very easy to argue to get rid of that actor. I think it is a compliment that the network has not recast Cassie, and I'm really grateful for that because it leaves the door wide open.
0: You've also been working on the side for a number of years studying food allergies and kind of helping families revolutionize their personal diets. And I'm wondering if you could talk exactly about what you did and are you still involved in this area?
1: Well, with my son's issues, my own interest in food and diet and good health habits really came into play because that was the only area that I could do hands-on in my kitchen. Um, What
0: exactly happened to your son and, and how did you get to the bottom of it?
1: There are many, many children on the autistic spectrum that have sensory issues, and he has, he's not autistic at all. I don't even want to put that out there. Please don't think that he is because there are many children who are and many families who struggle with it, and it's very painful. So I'm not even pretending that I understand the depth of that situation. But he does have sensory issues, which are, are considered neurological, and the best way to explain sensory issues is um, we all have them, You might like a rock and roll party. I might like a quiet, intimate dinner. You might like the dark of the night. I might like daytime. You might like nuts in your baked brownies. I don't. You know, things like that. Those are actually sensory things. Now, for the most part, most sensory issues don't matter. You know, so what if you like a band and I don't? Mm -hmm. But for young children who have these, children are supposed to do two things. They're supposed to play, and they're supposed to go to school and learn. And if they're sensory issues, overwhelm either of those areas, then one needs intervention. So my son had intervention on um, gross and fine motor delays, no speech or learning issues, but auditory and vision, a lot of uh, balance and proprioceptive, which is where we know ourselves to be in space. So for two solid years, he had therapies basically six days a week. Wow. And a lot of, the only thing I could really do, because most of that was with professionals who Treat kids. He was young, and but he was old for his diagnosis. He was six when he was diagnosed. Most children get diagnosed around two or three because they're getting uh, delays socially and they're getting delays like um, physically, like they don't literally don't get up off the floor. They can't walk, or they have speech problems, or their vision starts affecting their learning, things like that. We were very, very fortunate. And what I did is I evaluated the food and. Because I had grown up on a farm, so we go back to that tale. And I had also been uh, emotionally involved with, you know, dating uh, nutritionists, a, a very well-known nutritionist. So I, I've learned a tremendous amount about food and for my own needs and my own background and things like that. It's a mm-hmm. passion of mine. It's sort of like my second love.
0: Well, you know, and I can only imagine that growing up the way you did on a farm, canning your own things, growing your own things, that that made a huge impact on you at an early age. Huge, 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 huge.
1: Even as a struggling actor here in the city, I bought organic as much as I could. But I, mean, I can taste the difference mm-hmm. in foods. So when I was in these treatments with my son, the therapist would notice that, why was Isaac doing so well? And they would talk to me about what I was doing differently at home, and I talked about the food. And they would start sending some of their clients to me. And I was working with different families. Now, not being professionally trained and not being a therapist or Something. There were certain families that I clicked with, and certain families I didn't. And I would just send them on with professionals who could help them. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I if I couldn't help them, so the ones I could help, I would go into their homes and really um, handhold their their parents, their mom, or mostly their mom or their babysitters. In New York, you know, there are some families that have more than one caregiver to the child. So helping them clean out their cabinets, talk to them about why certain foods are better for their children. And truly, it's better for all of us. All of us can't eat some of the stuff that's in mainstream diets. Sure. And give them literature to read or help them design how to manage their kitchen, how to make it not so overwhelming, streamline it, if you will, Give them encouragement to experiment, teach their kids how to cook with them, teach them how to cook. So many people don't know how to cook these days. How to take fresh produce and fresh food and hide. Like for a lot of little children have sensory issues around food. So how do you get a child who will only eat white macaroni and white bananas um, try something green, you know? Yeah. So I would play with the kids, uh, really just sit down and play with them and There were some kids I got to eat a lot of different things, and their mother and dad were so relieved because all of a sudden they they were introduced to more uh, nutrients Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, And just recently a woman asked me to come in and help her with her family, and I have enrolled in a couple of online courses to get some credentials so that when I actually talk to somebody I'm just not a mom with a passion, which is (laughs) how I always tell people I was just a mom with a passion, make it seem a little bit more legitimate.
0: So have you ever thought about pursuing this professionally or, you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I was paid. (laughs) I I do. It's called Feed Your Mouths. That's my company's name, Feed Your Mouths. Fantastic. Because Feed Your Children, that kind of thing. And I'm definitely toying with the idea of making it a little bit bigger part of my life. There's just a lot of things going on personally right now, so Uh it's just. A little you know, life is a lot denser than my imagination wants it to be. <laughs> Getting through day to day it's a lot denser. <laughs> you know, in my imagination, Brandon, I've got a company, I've got a book, I've got about ten, twenty clients. Yeah, I'm I'm cruising. In reality it's a little bit slower.
0: <laughs> Tell me this though. What did what did you find in your own pantry, you know, in analyzing your own your own family's diet? What did you find that that was I don't know, impeding your child's progress, if you will. I mean, well,
1: when kids on the autism diet, they put them on a gluten-free diet, dairy-free, gluten-free. We were already dairy-free. So the gluten I had taken out at one point when my kids were really, really little. So I pulled that out again for a period of time. Okay. And then salicylates, which is a strange uh, chemical found in all the really healthy, colorful foods like berries and tomatoes and peppers and strawberries and blueberries, cucumbers but children who might have some issues it's something to temporarily take out and see if their personalities change at all okay and we experimented it's a six-week experiment really and truly it's honestly six weeks go by pretty fast for most of us most of us can do anything with a little hand holding and that's what my job was is to say just another week just another day just another hour you know see how you do here. And children who are sensitive to salicylates react. When it's taken out, they might mellow out. And then we slowly had to reintroduce it, which is what you do with a lot of food allergies. You can have other clearing on it. but So it was a period of time before we had pizza back in our life. Wow. A long time. But it made a huge difference when I took it out. It actually just got his whole system to calm down. And look, it's not so bad to go off pizza for
0: a few Sure. Days. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, really,
1: it's not going to kill any of us. We <laughs> think it's going to kill us, yeah. but that's where I come in and that's what, that was what my coaching did for people is, you know, I would, you know, Brandon, you got to go off the pizza. It's okay, <laughs> honey. You'll be all right.
0: Well, you know, it's so funny because you, you said you went dairy-free and I'm sitting here thinking no milk, no ice cream, no cereal, no cheese. I mean, what, what are you talking about?
1: Oh, no, dairy-free is easy. Dairy-free is really important, especially if there's asthma in one's life or any eczema, food allergies like that. You know, I know, look, the dairy industry is going to be all over me because this is going to go out. But truly, we're not baby cow's love. It's a a milk protein we can't digest. Yeah. And it affects every one of us. And we are hugely inundated with that you have to have milk. Oh, 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 baby, it's not true. (laughs) You know, we just, we, yeah, a little cheese goes a long way. You know what that stuff looks like? You know, my son actually doesn't eat cheese too often except on pizza. Uh You know, soy is a good transition, and then there's problems with soy as well, especially for men. So, you know, all of this needs to be, and I have studied From one end of the spectrum to the other, I can talk to you about raw food. We could really go to the raw food argument. My mother will call me up and say, This is what I made for dinner. Was I good? And I said, Well, that depends. Are you following Atkins, Standard American Diet, or the raw food? Which one do you want me to comment on? (laughs) You know, Mediterranean diet? Perfect. Wish you hadn't used the canola. I'd rather have you have olive oil. And, you know, is your parmesan processed or is it fresh? and is it a Mediterranean diet tonight, or, you know, what what are you serving? So often, I, if there are single people that wanted to work with me, I've worked with people who wanted to lose weight, and I would say, then what diet do you want to follow? And they would say, you know, whatever it was, and I would say, okay, so well, let's look at the rules, and let's discuss them, and let's start there, because that's where your comfort zone is. And slowly, I'm going to help you alter that, because, you know, any change we make, whether it's good or bad, Even the best changes in our life are uncomfortable simply because it's change. And so sometimes you just need somebody there to call up or to lean on and say, Boy, this is awful. And I'm like, Uh-huh. Yeah, I hear you. And you're doing a great job. There are some habits that are going on in this country that are horrifying. Our bodies, our minds and our cellular structure get attached, or one could use the very strong word of addicted to the certain foods that we eat, whether it's um, sugars or dairy or meat or fat, like just the sensation of oil in our diet, Mm
0: the
1: processing, we get very comfortable and even addicted to the foods that we eat all the time, which is why when we go on a diet, it's so... Horrifying because it literally affects us on a cellular level. So it affects our emotions, the way our brain is working, um, the way our body is managing itself. It's affecting our energy field. So one of the things that is disturbing to me is that we are told that we have to have an enormous amount of food, enormous amounts. That coupled with what our palate and our body physically and emotionally is addicted to makes us eat so much food and we don't need it we simply don't need as many calories as we think we do or that we crave Mm -hmm. there's a wonderful book called the pleasure trap which talks about how we get addicted to the sensations of sugar and salt and fat and even meat the heaviness of meat is a something we learn it's you know people say to me oh i can't not eat breakfast i can't have i couldn't get through the day if i didn't have an egg or i can't get through my day without a piece of turkey or chicken or meat. i I get hypoglycemia and they have no idea that hypoglycemia is simply your body saying thank god you're not feeding me that and i get to detox for a few minutes (laughs) so there's all these misconceptions around that and i wish that we could have a really strong alternative message being put out there. So that's sort of what my mission is: is to help educate. The, the certification I'm actually getting as as a food educator because I feel like it's important. I, I really want to go back and teach home ec to seventh and eighth graders, and teach them how to uh, take care of their body from a different point of view than the standard American diet. Now, you and I, I don't know how old you are, but I grew up with the four square meals. You know, uh-huh. they sort of changed it now to a pyramid. Uh But even the pyramid doesn't have enough vegetables in there. You know, they talk about it as grains. So all you can think is, oh, the grain industry gave a lot of lobbyist money. You know, (laughs) they paid a few senators off. You know, they're doing better, but it's not enough. It's simply not enough. It's not the the information isn't getting out there quite yet. You know, you said, what's your secret, Laura? And uh, really and truly, we are what we eat. We really are. How we feel about emotionally and physically, mentally, spiritually shows up on our face. And I've done a lot of work the last ten years getting that cleaned up.
0: And so uh, how do you feel about somebody like Suzanne Summers? I mean, in the past couple of years, she's made it a, a crusade to go around, you know, telling people that, you know, all these, all these cancers and all these diseases are, are uh, mainly a product of exactly what, what, what you just said, exactly what we eat.
1: Yeah, they're called diseases of affluence. Statistically, they don't show up in countries where the animal products and the processing of food, you know, processing of foods includes things like sugars and any packaged foods, of course, canned, where there's nothing alive in it. You know, whenever you get away from those, you know, that aisle where the produce and fruit are, you know, that aisle, that's Mm -hmm. like the number one place we should spend our money. Food is expensive and eating well is expensive. So it's difficult to compete against the fast food industry, and I certainly appreciate that. But, you know, switching to an apple requires a lot of hand-holding because if you're addicted to something that's in the fast food world, I don't even want to name companies, we all know who they are, your body's going to rebel. It's going to be really uncomfortable for a few weeks there to go to clean food. And if you don't have a lot of money and, you know, you're used to thinking you need a hamburger or a piece of pizza or that's what your body's addicted to, then it's going to be hard to switch over.
0: Is it true that food was not meant to have a long shelf life?
1: Well, what do you think, babe? <laughs> <laughs> the only things that should have a long shelf life are nuts <laughs> and beans when they're dried. That's it. We could go on and on on this. This is, you know, like I said, this is another passion of mine.
0: Absolutely. And it's, it's, I've, it's, I've read a tremendous
1: clear. amount. You know, one summer recently, I think I read 11 books on food and nutrition. And that's all I talked about. People are like, oh, my God, it's Laura again. What are we serving? <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, I'm really sorry. Talk to me about, you know, talk to me about the news. What's the current events? What does our president do today? You know, <laughs> tell me somebody's dirt.
0: The proof of the pudding is that your son is healthy and happy and. Yeah, he's and,
1: doing phenomenally. Yeah, he has and, and a lot of kids, you know, like I said, he, we were so, so fortunate. So fortunate. And a lot of also just hand holding is being there for a parent. You know when your kid's not doing well, it's really frightening. it's a huge responsibility to raise children, and sometimes you just need to lean on somebody you know I would do cooking classes and just bring moms in mm-hmm. and let them just be together so that they would you know you we know intuitively what we need to do it sometimes it's just getting uh, getting the overwhelm out of the way to focus on that.
0: And taking that first step. And, and
1: taking the first step. And I I like to do things really slowly. I, I really feel that it takes a year to change over how one is eating, a minimum of a year. And if somebody has a tremendous amount of weight to lose, it takes longer. Sure. You know, it's just you have to be gentle. And anything that promises anything faster really and truly is just getting your money, <laughs> taking your money.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, I had a great time talking to you today. Thank you. Before I let you go, I understand that you're doing some kind of contest on your website.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Let's talk quickly about that.
1: We are hoping that we get a lot of responses to the clips on One Life to Live. And I'm not quite sure of the exact rules of how it's going to come about, but dinner is in it with me. Oh. So, yeah, I'm kind of excited. And I probably won't talk food unless you want to talk food. (laughs) (laughs) I might even let them pick the restaurant. (laughs) And the details will all be on my website and probably my Facebook pages, you know, because I'm on Facebook. Look up Laura Bonarigo and become my friend.
0: Fantastic. And
1: that's how I let people know what I'm doing and where I'm working and what shows I'm in and stuff like that.
0: So everybody go check uh, out laurabonarigo.com.
1: That's right. That's my website. I love my website. Michael Ormond and Deco Design did a beautiful job for me.
0: And does the, the, the Feed Your Mouth have its own website or no?
1: Not yet, but I'm thinking of putting that one together. Like I said, reality is a lot denser. Sure. You know, in my mind, I have a website, and you know, in your coaching, mind, you have an empire. Yeah, in my mind, I have an empire. Exactly. You know, you know what I'm talking about. So,
0: if people want to get in touch with you regarding Feed Your Mouths, can they can they reach you through your website or absolutely, or, yeah? Okay.
1: and they should because I think that this can this kind of coaching can be done with Skype, you know, those internet camera things. That actually is not a bad idea. I just came up with that with Brandon <laughs> on the phone with you. <laughs> well,
0: or you know, and, and with Twitter and Facebook and all these social networks. I mean, yeah. you can get the word spread in in, in an instant, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, was, you know, they they get Laura Bonarigo coaching them, not Cassie. <laughs> 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 and maybe I'll wear my manuscript. It depends. It just depends. But uh
0: Well, yeah. you have to promise to, to pull out the four-inch heels at least once.
1: Yeah, only if they're cleaning up the cabinets with me. You know, maybe when they lose 10 pounds or they get something cleaned up, maybe we'll have to do a milestone award.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, now this is really turning creepy. Come on. <laughs> Keep it clean, Brandon. Keep it clean. <laughs> We get all these mixed messages. The fans will not know what to do with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: they're going to be thinking, oh, cra- this woman's crazy. I <laughs> no wonder why she played Kazi so well. <sighs>
0: so what's but, on the horizon for Laura Bonarigo? What's coming down the pike?
1: Well, we have auditions. We have spring vacation. We have a, My kids have some things going on at school, school plays. It's a mix of professionally exciting things and personal daily, you know, the business of raising kids. My little ones keep me very honest. Never stops. No. <laughs> no. Thank goodness. So. Well, I tell
0: you what, I, I cannot wait to see you back on One Life to Live. Starting Monday, it's very exciting. Everybody tune in to One Life to Live and see this great lady, Laura Bonarigo.
1: Thank you so much.
0: It's been My a great deal talking to you. Today, you were a blast. And you're welcome here anytime. Please come thank, back.
1: Thank you so much.
0: The magnificent Laura Bonarigo, everybody, on Brandon's Buzz. Brandon's Buzz in the can for February, 5th, February 15th, February 12th. 2010. Uh come on back next week. I'm working on some great guests and when I get everything confirmed, I'll let you know where to go. Brandon'sbuzz.com is my blog. blogtalkradiocom buzz is mission control for Brandon's buzz. Both of those two websites have the the up-to-date current information on what's coming on the show, what's been on the show, what is on the show. At blogtalkradio.com/brandonsbuzz you can listen to the show, you can download old episodes of this show you can leave comments, you can send emails. It's Mission Control for Brandon's Buzz. Everything you need to know about this show, you can find out at blogtalkradio.com/brandonsbuzz. I also mentioned my blog brandonsbuzz.com there at the top of the page, at the top of any page at brandonsbuzz.com is a blue button marked radio. Click on that. That takes you to a full radio archive of all past episodes. This is episode number 54 of the show. This and all previous 53 can be found in the radio archive at brandonsbuzz.com. You can also find me on iTunes. I'm on iTunes, guys. Just click, uh, click, type Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box, scroll down to the podcast section, click on my logo from there. You can download individual old episodes of this show as podcasts for playback on the device of your choosing, or you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes automatically uh, download to your library the minute they're uploaded to the Music Store. So I'm all over the Internet. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on iTunes. I'm all over the place. Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and something will pop up that points you in my direction. And I appreciate you guys coming in my direction. I appreciate you guys finding me and listening to me, and I hope you continue finding and listening to Brandon's Buzz.
1: Hi, everybody out there. This is Eileen Kristen, and I have just been on Brandon's Buzz. This is a great show and a very sophisticated mind, so
0: spread the word, Brandon's Buzz. This
1: is Claire Massey from Tammy Show, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy, great show. Check hey it out. Hey, guys,
0: this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi,
1: this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so if you feel that you just can't take it and your world isn't what it seems, don't forget that life can be what you make it. Baby, when you live on a street of dreams. Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon Buzz, the place to be. Hi, everybody.
0: This is Nicholas Walker. Merci à vous tous. Écoutez Brandon Buzz sur Blog Talk Radio. Bonsoir et à très bientôt.